We welcome into the program Jeff Tarpley from Gigam247.com. Hey, Jeff, if you win football games, you you probably are winning the line of scrimmage, and that's what the Aggies have been doing over the last month or so. I mean, their defensive front has been dominant, and they've been able to run the football as well on the offensive side of the football. They struggled to move the ball consistently on offense the other night. I think the weather was part of it. Uh, the The offensive line wasn't quite as dominant as they had been. LSU was very effective at getting people into the box to slow down the running game. And A&M's passing game didn't get those people out of the box by hitting some downfield throws that would have backed them off a little bit. But at this time of the year, if you can't block people, that's just really, really problematic. And if you're playing a freshman quarterback on the road, that makes things that much that much worse. And that's what LSU's problem was the other night. They simply couldn't block A&M, and their freshman quarterbacks weren't able to make the reads. Uh, they, they weren't able to hold the ball long enough to tr- even try to get it downfield. They were throwing a lot of hot, hot routes short of the sticks, which they completed passes, but they then had to go back out and punt the football. So it didn't do them a lot of good to do that. At the end of the day, as long as A&M's front four continues to play like that, they are superior to the teams, the rest of the teams that are on their schedule due to certain issues. And that should enable them to win those games down the stretch of the 2020 season as long as they get them in. Which you know, is becoming a problem for everybody. Uh, one of the things that you know they hired Jimbo to do is to come in and win football games. Well, he's winning football games now. We're talking about style points. Well, you know they're playing LSU and they they just did, it wasn't pretty enough for him. And what's what's the thoughts around College Station when when that conversation comes up? Well, I, I think the A and M really hasn't won at a high enough level. Uh, you got to understand. This is all kind of new to A and M over the last A and M fans, everybody involved in the program last year. A and M hasn't won at a high enough level, so that style points become a factor. Uh, even when Johnny Manziel was uh, running amok in 2012, even through 2013, he, he was generating style points all by himself, so nobody really worried about that. A and M was going out. And, and, and he was just a human highlight film. So every weekend, you didn't have to sit there and worry about putting up 40 points or, or beating someone by three touchdowns. It was just happening. Now it's a little bit different story because A&M doesn't really have the passing game given the injuries they've suffered at receiver to necessarily do that. They're winning more of an old-fashioned way, running the ball, playing really good defense on the other side. Uh, the special teams complementing the offense and the defense. So the South Carolina game that whenever, when A&M won 48 to three, that got everybody's attention. But if you look back at what A&M has been doing this season, 27 against LSU, uh, 42, 31 against Arkansas, 28, 14 against Mississippi state, even going way back to uh, the closer games they had against Florida and Vanderbilt. That hasn't necessarily been their style. Jeff, let me ask you this. Aggies offensively seem to really be really be clicking going into this two-week kind of where they had to sit back because of the virus. Do you think that two-week layoff time had anything to do with the, the offensive output that they, that they put out there against LSU? 
it's interesting because other teams had gone through a, a similar lag time, a certain, you know, comparable downtime, and they really haven't, didn't have all of the same issues that the Aggies had. Uh, A&M seemed to suffer a little bit more than those teams did. Kellen Mond, Kellen Mond the one issue with Kellen Mond that he's had throughout his career, he's kind of a self-made quarterback, so to speak. His mechanics and footwork coming out of high school, he's had to work on those and build them up. And when they, when he's in sync like he was for most of the season, he can be a very, very productive passer. The problem is, is that there's times where he starts to revert back to old habits. You can't, and you know, used to, or even this season, we've talked about road mom versus home mom because there's been a big stretch with the way he's played on the road. Uh, between on the road and at home. He's just much more comfortable at home. However, recently he's had two of his less, uh, two lesser games, so to speak, at home, Vanderbilt and LSU. And again, it goes back to starts feeling pressure, the footwork breaks down, the delivery breaks down. All of a sudden you're looking at an 11 for 34 night where he's unable to get the football down the field. So I think if, We'll see if he goes on the road this weekend and if A&M is able to do the things that they've done in other games when his mechanics delivery and his ability to get A&M in the right place and then execute in terms of the protection being there enough so that he sees people down the field, he's able to be a distributor. If he can do all those things, then A&M's offense will look a lot better than what it did last Saturday night. Bo Nix has been inconsistent all season long. How can the A&M defense take advantage of that? Well, they've just got to get pressure on him. Uh, you, you saw the other night when A&M stopped LSU on early downs. The LSU, their first down package, package has basically been, hey, we've got to run the ball for about three yards. We're going to go inside zone run the ball for three yards, you know, we're going to get the ball out fast. We're going to get a short gain on first down, and then we're going to be in second and medium. And that enables us to have more options and take the pressure off of our freshman quarterbacks. Uh, Auburn, they've been very inconsistent because they haven't been able to run the football uh, from game to game like they would want to. And so Nick's, as a result, Nix hasn't been able to, let's say, benefit from some of the things that Kellen Mond has with play action passing, which, you know, hey, that, that draws in your safeties and linebackers. It gives you more advantageous matchups down the field, you know, in the short zones. His protection hasn't been there. He lost four starters on the offensive line from last season. Because, and, in fact, uh, he may be without three of the guys that he began the season with. Uh, going up against an A&M front that, you know, goes eight, they'll rotate eight guys in and out, and all of them are, at minimum, good football players. So if they if A&M can put pressure on him, stop the run game, and then get him in the third downs where, again, they're sending the same type of blitz packages, making him throw the hot routes, and if he wants to do more than that, putting pressure on him where he can't do that, then it's going to be a very, very problematic day for him. 
And again, I just don't. I, at this point, I don't see how Auburn can block a And M well enough to move the football consistently, either on the ground or or in the air. And that's where I was going to go next. You mentioned the woes of the running game. Is with all the injuries on the offensive line, is there any chance that they can run the ball against Texas A and M? Well, they're also, you know, Tank Bixby, who's been a pretty good running back for them this year. Uh, he may not play. DJ Williams, who's probably their number three, number four running back. He may not play. They just got all kinds of issues back there in terms of not just the offensive line, but also the people carrying the football. I, I, I think that puts more pressure on Bo Nix, and you know they're going to have to run more screens, that kind of thing, RPOs to try to get the ball out. Problem is, is that A and M typically defends RPOs really, really well. You know, they they they'll, they'll slant the line away from the side of the back. They'll scrape their backers, nickels, and safeties the opposite direction and take away those weak side throws. So you have to come back and you have to hand the football off, and you're handing it off into the teeth of a defense that is prepared to stop you. So. Again, it's going to be very, very problematic, I think, for Auburn to run the football unless they, you know, unless they get some gadget plays going, unless they get some eye candy going in terms of misdirection motion that moves A&M's eyes and feet enough to create running and passing lanes for Bo Nix and everybody else on that offense to score some points. Isaiah Spiller, the, the sophomore running back, talk about uh, his role in this game plan going into to this game against the Tigers. Well, they're just going to do the same things they've done all season. They're going to run inside zone. They're going to run some power and counter. Uh, one of the things you saw the other night was his outstanding ability to generate yardage after contact. He's probably, if he's not the best in the SEC at this, he's one of the best. He's just such a violent runner. You know, you can talk about burst and vision and everything else, but he, you're going to hit him, and he, and as you saw the other night, he, he's not going to go down. And by the fourth quarter, that adds up, not just in terms of its physical impact on your defense from a mental standpoint as well as a physical standpoint, but also from the, from the factor that he's getting another yard or two after contact. And, you know, he may not be breaking any long runs, but, you know, he, he's taking first and ten getting hit after two yards and getting a couple of more yards and all of a sudden it's second and six. And even when your quarterback and your passing game has an off night, like A&M's did the other night, you could still get into favorable down and distance situations. Not only that, you can, you know, occasionally you're going to hit the big play in the running game, like A&M did. You're going to get good enough special teams play to generate favorable enough field position where you can get a couple of plays that go your way, generate some scoring opportunities, put some points on the board. And, yeah, from a style point standpoint, the other night it wasn't very pretty, but that game was never really in doubt because of the way A&M plays and because of the way Spiller runs. The Aggies lost a key member of the wrecking crew with the passing of Steve Solari. Does the team have anything in the works to honor him? I'm not sure at this point. You know, uh, watching Solari was on those – early to mid-90s defenses that, that played in some cotton bowls. He was he was kind of a pass rusher, but he wasn't the pass rusher. That was a guy named uh, Short, Antonio Shorter who was the edge guy, so to speak. 
Solari was more of the drop backer in those days, but he was a very, very good drop backer. He was a legit four, five, four, six guy. You're talking about a guy where you threw the ball out on the edge. He could go after the back and get it. He could shut down those little short passes. He, you know, he occasionally surprised you with a blitz off the edge. Just a very, very functional football player back in the day for the Aggies, and a guy who he's, you know, very, very good guy. He missed by everybody in the A&M community uh, for his work, not just what he did for the Aggies on the field, but also for what he's done off the field uh, since his time in Aggieland. Hey, Jeff, tell us uh, what we can uh, what we can check out at uh, Gig'em 24-7. Well, it, it, there's two things right now. One is the, uh, is the, Auburn, the Auburn game, which uh, – is going to be an interesting game to say the least. Most people recognize this is going to be a and probably a and toughest test down the road. We'll see Ole Miss, Tennessee away. Tennessee definitely not so much. Uh, Ole Miss could be really interesting with the way their offense rolls. So we're going to have a lot of Auburn talk, but we're also going to be talking college football playoffs because let's face it, a <laughs> and five. You don't know what Ohio State's going to be doing, what their situation is going to be. I wrote an st- article on that this morning concerning the fact that the Big Ten's talking about trying to find a way to either waive the requirement that Ohio State has to play six games if they only get five in, finding them another game. Uh, if Michigan can't play, uh, you know, Florida's just behind A&M. They're, they're nipping at A&M's heels if A&M slips up. So, you know, from that standpoint, uh, we've got a lot going on right now. We're covering it all, whether it's the what A&M's doing right now or what they're going to be facing on down the road with regard to the playoff run. Jeff, as always, thanks for the time, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dad. Talk to you soon. Jeff Tarpley from, from a gig of 24-7. And <laughs>